Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Aquadox, the podcast that keeps you up to date on all things aquatic medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Greenfield. Today, I'm speaking with fellow podcasters from the podcast Aquademia, part of the Global Seafood Alliance. Justin, Sean, and Maddie, welcome to Aquadox. Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. So let's just go through and each of you, can you just describe a little bit about yourselves? Sure. So hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having us, Michelle. We're really excited to be here. My name is Maddie Cassidy, and I am one of the three co-hosts of the Aquademia podcast. And I currently work at the Global Aquaculture Alliance, which I'm sure we will talk in detail about later on. But what I do currently at GAA is I manage our membership program and also all of our marketing efforts. Yeah. And again, hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Justin Grant. I am also one of three hosts of the Aquademia podcast. Just like Maddie and Sean will say, we all work at Global Aquaculture Alliance. I work in the education department as the learning solutions manager, focus a lot on a lot of the forward-facing video assets, audio assets, internal and auditor trainings, things of that nature. So we're very busy. Uh, a lot of our listeners of the Aquademia podcast know that Goal, which is used to be a once-a-year conference that was three to four days long, is now every month, monthly virtual goal sessions. So that keeps Sean and I very busy in the uh, audio and visual department. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I am uh, the third co-host for the Aquademia podcast, the Seafood and Sustainability podcast. I work in the education department with Justin as well. I'm learning solutions developer, do a lot of the kind of behind the scenes work on a lot of the audio and visual stuff, like you said. I've been at GAA for over five years. I've worked in BAP department as well as now on the outreach team. And so I have a lot of experience with some of the advocacy work that we do and some of the work that we do for producers themselves over at GAA. So very happy to be here talking on your show. Like I said in our episode, because we had you on our show too, I love collaborating with other podcasters and I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited for this. We haven't done many collaborations here on Aquadox, but hopefully this is going to be one of many we do because, you know, like you were just saying, it's so important that there are different aspects of seafood, aquaculture, aquatic animals around the world, and being able to highlight how connected we all are is just so important. So let's jump in. Maddie, can you tell our listeners what is the Global Aquaculture Alliance? Sure thing. So we were founded in 1997. So we've been in existence for over 20 years now. And our mission at GAA is to promote responsible aquaculture practices through education, advocacy, and demonstration. So those are the three buckets of everything that we do at GAA. It falls into one of those three categories. So a big part of what we do at GAA is educating producers on how to improve their practices and also educating consumers about what they should be looking for when they're buying their seafood at the grocery store or at their farmer's market or at their fishmonger. And then we also do a lot of advocacy work through our goal conference, which Justin alluded to, which is now a monthly series. We talk about all of the issues facing the industry and have a huge emphasis on collaboration and convening a lot of the heavy hitters in the marketplace of the seafood world and also a lot of the producers in the seafood world. And being that platform where we can bring everybody together, 
air out all of the issues that we're facing and come up with solutions of how we can tackle them together. And then the third leg of the stool of the things that we do is our demonstration. And that is most notably through our Best Aquaculture Practices Certification Program. And you might have heard of BAP certification, but if you haven't, it's an eco-label that is on certain farmed seafood that you can find at Hannaford, Walmart, HEB, lots of different grocery stores if you're in the U.S. and then also around the world. And For our best aquaculture practices certification, there are four different categories of standards that farms and hatcheries and feed mills and processing plants that they need to meet in order to become BAP certified. And those four categories are environmental sustainability, animal health and welfare, food safety, and also social accountability. So that in a very small nutshell is what we do at GAA. I know I threw a lot of information at you just there. So if you have any questions, happy to answer. The most important thing to remember is that we are an advocacy organization that is there for the industry. We're here to help the industry be better. Love that. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Love that. (laughs) Simple sentence. You shouldn't have asked Sean to answer. (laughs) Well, Maddie, I am really interested because you just brought up so many things. So maybe would you be able to highlight one or two things that recently came up in one of the monthly goals that was a problem that you guys were trying to solve and educate people about? Yeah, sure. So we had our second session recently, and that one was all about how the seafood marketplace is going to look in the wake of COVID-19. So as I'm sure many of your listeners could guess, the marketplace of seafood is completely different than what it looked like two years ago. So a lot of the people that attended Goal had questions about, I'm a buyer for a grocery store. What kind of quantities should I be buying of seafood? Is the demand still there? Is it increasing? Is it going down because people are going to be eating at restaurants more now that things are opening up? So the GAA conducted a survey in collaboration with Spheric Research, and it was a consumer survey all about where consumers' heads are at right now. So Matt Craze, who is from Spheric Research, was kind enough to do a deep dive on the results of this survey that we conducted. So a lot of the findings were that during the pandemic, the demand for seafood in grocery stores skyrocketed. It went up hugely. And a lot of consumers tend to eat seafood in restaurants only. A lot of seafood consumers, when they think of seafood, they think, oh, I'm going to order it at a restaurant, but I don't want it stinking up my kitchen, so I don't think I'm going to eat it at home, especially in the U.S. So it was interesting because since the demand went up so much, the supply had to try to match that. And that was a difficult feet during the pandemic when a lot of farms weren't able to operate at their normal capacities. And now that restaurants are starting to open up back again, restaurants are wanting a lot of that seafood to give to their consumers. Of course, why not? Because if we're open, we we have to have seafood on the menu. So the outcome was that even though like you would think that the demand in grocery stores is probably going to come back down now that we're coming out of the pandemic, it seems as though a lot of consumers got a lot more comfortable with cooking seafood 
during the pandemic. And so the demand in grocery stores is looking like it's going to hold steady. So it was really interesting. And I think people are feeling really optimistic about the demand for seafood. I was going to say we could do the, a whole episode just on this. If this sounds enticing to anyone, and this is this is my job, if you want to hear a little snippet of that presentation from Matt Craze, go to our podcast, Aquademia, and check out episode 99. Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless plugs are always good. But I'm curious then, how does that then translate to the producers when there is this increased demand? Are there any actionable items that they took away from this weekend of how they can increase their stock? There's a lot that goes into that. And a lot of what happened with this increase in demand in retail and then the decrease in demand from restaurants and food service is it's a lot of logistics, right? Where do we send our fish? When? To who? How? We have these supply chains that have been solid for us for the last few years or where, you know, this farm is supplying to this food service or a distributor that, that primarily delivers to restaurants and they, and they have those relationships with these different buyers and sellers. And now everything is turned on its head and these producers have overabundance of fish that they need to get rid of because they can't sell them to restaurants right now. And so how, how are we going to handle the logistics of now figuring out how they can get into the retail market to get their product sold and how are the retail markets going to deal with this massive increase in demand. And so it was a lot of pivoting in regard to what do we do now with my fish? And then now that's going to happen again because we're going to see that increase in demand for restaurants come as we start to claw our way out of the COVID issue here. We're going to see more demand in restaurants as well come back. And so everyone's going to need to pivot again and say, okay, let's take a look again at my supply chain. It's super cool. And I'm glad that you just explained all of that. I'm really focusing on the consumer because oftentimes here on Aquadox, we talk about a specific animal or we do a case study. And sometimes it's hard to get that connection to, well, how does this directly impact my life if I'm not the veterinarian standing there over that animal working on that case? And really, a lot of this comes down to, well, it does affect us and what we eat. Yeah, I love that. Sometimes when you work in the weeds of an industry, it's hard to zoom out and think about the bigger picture like that and like take off your expert hat and put on your, I'm just a consumer that goes to the grocery store hat. Well, that's what's great about being in position that we're in. Michelle, you you with your podcast and then also us with Aquademia is we are starting to become accustomed to looking at all of these issues that we talk about from different lenses, right? If, if anybody has any experience, Justin, I know you do in, in education and developing curriculums and stuff, you, you need to look at the correct frames in which you want to deliver your information. And we're able to look at this because we have listeners, a, a large percentage of our listeners are in the industry. But we also have a percentage of listeners that are just consumers and are interested in learning more about seafood. And I know that you have a real passion for, you know, education about, about this kind of stuff and, and uh, figuring out the best way to communicate that. So, No, it's great. Promoting scientific education is always is a place here on Aquadox. But Sean, maybe to go back to you for a moment. I want to talk a little bit more about the BAP program, the best aquaculture practices. Could you just elaborate a little bit more about what that process looks like and why it's so important for the industry? Sure. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying it's constantly changing and shifting and evolving. But the basic rundown of how the BAP program works is GAA has brought in experts to develop best practice standards for fish farms, hatcheries, feed mills, and processing plants. 
for different species, and there's a couple of different standards for a couple of different categories. For example, like we have a shellfish farm standard that's going to be a little different from a salmon farm standard or or like a crustacean farm standard. But these standards are developed by experts in the industry who know what they're talking about, and they come together and figure out, this is the best way for you to run your facility, for you to be sustainable, responsible, and it's all based on those four pillars, animal health and welfare, social accountability, environmental responsibility, and food safety. And so there's very specific requirements on how you run all of the different aspects of your facility. And, you know, when we're looking at animal health and welfare, like if we're looking at a fish farm, for example, there are guidelines and specific standard points about antibiotic usage. And um, these drugs are approved for usage. These drugs are not approved. If you use these drugs, then you know, that disqualifies you from being BAP certified. And there's there's a lot of different, very specific clauses in there that are challenging for a lot of facilities to meet. It's a rigorous standard and it, and it's for the best of the best. And uh, so our job is to help these facilities get to that point where they can be BAP certified. And so the process that they go through is they fill out an application that actually includes all of the clauses in their standard. And they go through and they say, yes, we meet this standard. No, we don't meet this standard. And then what happens is we send a third-party auditor that is not working for BAP. They are a separate company. They'll go out and they'll conduct an audit at that facility on site. It's been a little different in the last couple of years because of COVID and they've been doing remote audits. But the idea is this third-party auditor goes out and checks out their facility and goes through every single clause and checks off, yes, they meet these requirements. No, they don't meet these requirements. And, uh, you know, we don't really allow for nonconformities in these. It's all or nothing. You need to meet all of these clauses to be able to get that BAP certification. And then once it's reviewed by our team and, and the auditor's team, then uh, we say, yep, they're good to go. They get that stamp of approval. And then they're allowed to basically tell the world, hey, we're BAP certified. They slap that logo on their product so you can see the fish logo on the package of, of frozen tilapia or whatever it is in your restaurant or your store and you know that it's responsibly produced and that's a really really big deal and a lot of retailers are starting to require hey you need BAP certification or you know there's other certifications uh, schemes out there as well that do that do a lot of the same things so you may see other ones but BAP is the one that's owned by GAA right now and it's one of the most rigorous certification programs out there and we're very proud of it Amazing. Since we just hinted at it a little bit, a lot of what you do on the podcast and as part of GA is education, which is something that our listeners here know that I'm really invested in. So Justin, maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think that's a two-part question. I think I would talk more briefly about the education aspect of what we do as an outreach department, but also all three of us will talk about education through our podcast. And then to break it down a little bit further, specifically into the education tab on our website, aquaculturealliance.org, we are currently changing the look and feel and the offerings that are going to be on that page. Currently, we have just added an RSS feed. It's almost like a second podcast, but it's not a podcast. And it's called Organization Updates. And it's a way for us to talk about whether it's a change to a standard, something in the industry that our 
our organization is working towards or whatever it is. We have a platform now to bring on internal employees or contractors, people who are working with us to tell their story, talk about their projects or upcoming events, things that are related directly to our organization. The next phase, we are going to be implementing a resource hub at some point this year, which is going to be an even deeper dive into educational resources, I'll call it. And this is going to be open to everyone. I think one thing that will really set the resource hub apart is that it has something for everyone. So if you're someone that learns through videos, if you're someone that learns through reading, if you're someone that learns through infographics, there's going to be something there for every type of learning style because we just have this like vast <laughs> repertoire of so many different resources in many different forms. And it's going to be really cool to see it all in one place. You know, I think what we started this episode off when we talked about collaboration and community, it's so important within this aquatic animal health space. And so your podcast and Aquademia, like, really is just another sector of that. And you're educating other folks about the aquaculture and seafood space. So Sean, since this is your brainchild, so all of you are great ambassadors for it and great hosts, can you just tell us a little bit more about your program and some of the things that you like to highlight? Absolutely. I'm always excited to talk about our podcast. I started at GAA over five years ago, and uh, I was only there for probably less than half a year. And I, I went up to our communications guy and I was like, hey, we should do a podcast. And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. So I kind of held on to the thought for a few years. And then, you know, like when the time was right and, and I was able to express the value in having a podcast, we hit the ground running really fast. And uh, we developed it in a way that we didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves because we think what's really important in this industry is that I really like to just drill things down into a simple sentence. And what it comes down to for us when it comes to educating people about seafood is that we want more people to eat more seafood as long as it's responsible. So eat more sustainable seafood, eat more responsible seafood, whether it's wild caught, whether it's farm raised, whatever it is, as long as it is responsible, eat more of it because that's what's going to be best for the planet and best for the people and best for your personal health and best for the industry, and best for our personal jobs, all of this. That's what it comes down to. And, and so the idea behind it was we're going to not just focus on aquaculture, although a lot of the stuff that we do focus on is aquaculture because that's the world that we live in, right? GAA is an aquaculture advocacy group right now. Our idea with the podcast was it's going to be a little bit separate from a lot of the, the stuff that we talk about at GAA because we want to incorporate some wild-caught stuff. We want to incorporate all seafood because we think having the knowledge about how seafood gets to your plate, how it works, what are the issues within seafood is really, really important. And it just helps bring the entire industry up. We try to make our episodes as evergreen as possible. So if someone listens in 2024 to an episode that was recorded in 2020, it'll still be relevant in a way. We started off with just Justin and I literally writing out scripts. And if you listen to some of the first episodes, it's kind of funny because I went crazy with the audio engineering and I like we put in sound effects and background music and it was all scripted and it was fun, but it wasn't sustainable. <laughs> if we kept that approach, we would be on episode four. We'd have like eight episodes by now. So yeah, no, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. What we found is people want to hear from people. They want to hear stories. And so we we incorporate a lot of different stuff, including seafood 
career pathways, which are our most popular episodes where we sit down with people who have had really impactful careers in seafood and we just have them tell their story and it's really uh, enlightening. It's really inspiring. And those are our, by far our most popular episodes, but we also do a lot of seafood technology innovation episodes where we talk about the newest technologies in aquaculture and wild caught fisheries. Although we're looking to do more wild caught fisheries, we're always looking for more wild caught content. And then you know it's a lot of just discussing kind of what's going on. You know we we talk with distributors, we'll talk with producers, we'll talk with salespeople, like restaurant owners, chefs. We've had a couple chefs on on the show, so just really anything that has to do with seafood, we're willing to talk about it if people will find it interesting and it's useful information. And so that's kind of been the approach that we took. So as GAA evolves, we're ready to evolve with it. I think it's been really impactful. You know, we've been listed as the top seafood podcast on a number of different lists and we have listeners all over the world. And as we like to say all the time on our show, every continent except Antarctica. So if anyone knows any penguin researchers in Antarctica that we get them listen to a show, we'll be happy. I think it's funny because when we started the podcast, we were like, wow, this is like probably one of the most niche podcasts on the internet. And <laughs> then we heard from Michelle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then you met Aquadox. Though we are niche, we have such an incredible and loving community of listeners. Everyone who's listening, I'm always amazed to see the day that we go live when I check my phone in the episodes and you know, within the first hour of publishing, we have over 75 downloads mm-hmm. and it's just incredible, really. Like I don't have an opportunity enough and thank all of you for listening because I do this because I'm interested in learning more, but also to help all of you who are listening learn more and find out more about what is aquatic animal health. And I know you're highlighting so many things that we don't really think about on a day-to-day. So it's really it's really great. Well, just to reach out to your listeners on that point, the more niche you are, the more listeners it seems like you get and the more rabid they are. And so the more supportive they are. And so to your listeners, what I will tell them is please take a minute and give Aquadocs a rating and review on whatever podcast form you listen and a written review. Like if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now, go in there and write a review. Take the two minutes because you will be amazed at how helpful that is to the podcast to get it up the charts, get in front of more people and just grow that community. And that's good for everyone. So make sure you do it. And then after you're done, go do it for us too. (laughs) And I promise I didn't pay him to say that. That was all in his own volition there. (laughs) Sean, what we were just talking about before, since you you were saying you like to take things down to one sentence and then, you know, having just finished over 100 episodes of the podcast. So in one, maybe two sentences, what are some of the major things that you've learned? I think the main thing that I have learned from all of the people that we've interviewed when we bring other people in is when we really get to sit back and just soak in some information. And and the thing that I've learned overall is that the people that work in this industry are in it for the right reasons. And that the people that work in the seafood industry and whether they're a CEO at a company that is buying hundreds of millions of, of pounds of fish every day or whatever it is, to someone who, you know, they feed the fish on a farm or they were an intern at a fish farm once or, you know, they're in school. These people genuinely care about the industry and the health of the industry and the health of the people that it affects. Because when you work in a food industry, what you do is you feed people. That's what it comes down to is you're feeding people. You're keeping people alive by providing sustenance. And the people in the the seafood industry are so receptive and welcoming to 
new innovations and sustainability initiatives and doing the right thing and adapting what we can do to make it better that they care about. Let's get a really good product on the plates of people so we can help feed the world and feed the growing population. And that is something that we see across everyone that we talk to, which is really, really cool because we talk to people from all different aspects. And you think you'd run into people who are in it for the money or these people are in it for the recognition. Like I'm coming on this podcast because I want to be famous and I want people to hear my voice. That's not the case. They're coming on the podcast because they want to talk about how we can bring the entire industry up to do better, which I think is really, really unique. And that's the the takeaway that I found is that people are in it for the right reason. To piggyback off that, I think some of my favorite episodes or series, I guess, are the innovation ones. To me, it's just been such an eye-opening experience to see these individuals, these corporations, these organizations who are so passionate about what they're doing, but they're going this extra mile to invent amazing tools and machinery and products that are really moving the seafood industry forward, where the snag is getting that information, all this amazing progress out side of our vacuum. And we say it all the time on our show is we are really good at having seafood conventions and conferences and talking to one another, but we need to push that amazing stuff outside. That's a challenge. And I think we're making strides, but more work is is needed. Justin, since you mentioned it and you talked about new technology, is there an example you can highlight real quick before we go about like a cool new innovation that you learned? Episode 38 of Aquademia, we spoke with someone who it's a technology that aids in humane slaughter of fish. To think that someone would be so passionate about slaughtering fish that they would invent a technology for it is enough to to talk about on its own. But this is a technology that it's called in-water electric stunning, and it is a super fast, humane way to stun fish as they are being harvested in a way that they basically they don't feel any pain. They just as soon as they go through it, they're out. And so it's an animal welfare solution for the stunning and the slaughter of fish. There have been multiple innovations in that field over the years in aquaculture because, you know, it used to be you take the fish out, you slab it on a board and you hit it with a baseball bat. And then, but now, you know, because we have more understanding on the effects of stress on fish and, you know, if the fish is stressed at the time that it's being harvested and then from that time until slaughter, it's going to have noticeable effects on the flesh and the farmer doesn't want that final product won't be as good so it is within everyone's best interest to find a way to most humanely stun and slaughter fish on these farms and so this is a technology that won an innovation award here uh, at GAA that does just that and it's a really fascinating episode make sure you check it out episode 38 that's the one that I always go to I think, too, a lot of these innovations are tied directly to what are consumers, what are retailers, what are endorsers demanding? What's happening within the industry that's a concern that needs to be fixed? Another one that we have never done an episode on, and I would love to do this one live on scene, is this uh, fishing vessel called Gannett that our president of Global Aquaculture Alliance, George Chamberlain, has mentioned a lot. It is a very large fishing vessel that can do processing on ship. So you catch your fish, you can process them on the ship and it just shortens the travel that your product takes and it's, you know, less greenhouse emissions and all there's a lot of positive stuff on it. And I'm sure if someone did a Google search on it, they would know what I'm talking about. But that's an example of how do you combine innovations as well? So what if we got this in water stunning system put on that boat and now just keep piling them up. And like I said, the the cool thing about that is that this industry is very receptive to that. 
They're hungry for more. They want to do things better. They want to get these better technologies in because it's better for everyone. It's, it helps you produce more fish, helps you sell more fish, and helps you make more money, depending on how you look at it. I, I don't have a background in... Sean is our technical aquaculture specialist. He went to school for that. I did, I did not. Mine was education. So I'm learning as we go. And I've learned so much from just doing the, the podcast. I mean, we've had episodes with someone who makes jerky out of fish called One for Neptune. Uh, shout out to them. They sent us some samples. It was it was very, very tasty. That's the real reason Justin's shouting them out. Yeah, because hopefully they'll hear this episode, but then send us some more. Yeah. <laughs> and me too. To all parties involved. Yeah, and, and all parties involved, yes. You know, from fish meal to insect meal to these lasers that are tracking and shooting off sea lice from salmon. It's just... To me, it seems like watching a sci-fi movie take place in real life, and it's just no shortage of very creative and inventful innovations that are taking place. No, it's a great topic, and you know we're going to have to have some people come on the show to talk about some of those things because they're really important within a lot of the industries. And again, like we've highlighted so many times, they're the behind-the-scenes things that are happening to help make things more efficient, to help to make things better for the producers, for the consumers, and for the animal's welfare. So stay tuned for future episodes. Alrighty. Well, Maddie, Justin, Sean, thank you so much for being on Aquadocs. I loved having you here today. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting us, Michelle. Well, we're glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Aquadocs. I'd like to thank Justin, Sean, and Maddie for being on the show this week, as well as thank all of you, our wonderful listeners, for tuning in. As always, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on the latest Aquadocs news. And if you've got an extra moment, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. I'm Michelle Greenfield. Stay healthy, stay safe, get vaccinated, and we'll see you next time here on Aquadocs.